Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. So now there's something taking place down there. These people, now they've turned themselves over to this other goat god that Aaron made them. So he's shaping and fashioning this right here. And the Lord, you know, he tells Moses, go down, you know. These people, they're already giving themselves over to this and I'm going to destroy them. Right? So, I'm going to read a little further. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his word by his side, and go in and out from the gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men, for Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. And it came to pass in the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up into the Lord. Preadventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. So Moses calls a consecration to the people. And uh, I was looking up that word today, you know, uh, what Moses told them about consecrating themselves, setting themselves aside for the Lord. And uh, I just want to read that. That interpretation here. Hold on. Let me find it. And it's interesting to me of what this word means. It doesn't mean what what I thought it meant, but it means uh, to be full, to be accomplished, be ended, consecrate, fill the land. And it's spelt uh, male, but it's pronounced male, mali. And uh, not like my grandson, mali. <laughs> He's very mischievous. But it's the primitive fruit to uh, root to fill or intransitively be full of, in a wide application, literally, a figuratively accomplished, confirm, consecrate, be at end, 
be expired, be fenced, fill, full, fulfill. Amen. I, uh, in my earlier walk in the Lord, I, uh, I remember great times of the Lord, you know, dealing in me. He was dealing inside my heart. And this was after, after I was baptized and I was filled with the Holy Ghost. I, I remember calling out to him. And I remember him during that time. Uh, I went into the restroom there, Martin. And uh, I remember calling out to the Lord. And I said, I can't, I can't leave these things. You know, I was doing drugs. And, you know, my daughter watched me do those things. And she would sometimes be outside the door hearing us, you know. And, uh, and the Lord brought a lot of conviction in my in my spirit, in my soul, and I, uh, I asked the Lord, I can't do this. I can't take this, you know, out of me. It's, it's got a hold of me. It calls to me, and that's all I do. And I remember that moment, you know, in that restroom. Uh, the Lord delivered me that day. He took that out of me. I felt that presence of God in that place just taking that out of me. And uh, after that, it was my choice whether I wanted to return from it. Because, see, the Lord, he doesn't force us to love him and serve him and follow after him. It has to be our choice because he gives us free will. And we have to choose to turn away from that. So I did that. I fenced myself in. I put fences. Uh, some people put it as. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, if my friend called me over, you know, he. You know, at that time, I would buy the drugs, and, you know, at that moment when he called me, it was like, he told me, oh, yeah, I'll give it to you for free. Don't worry about it, this and that. And I went, you know, I went to the house there, and I said, no, I'm not going to go in there. I'm not going to go to these places anymore. You know, it was like that. You know, I, I made fences of, of those things that would tempt me, you know. You know, for other people, it would be different things, you know, for you. It would be different, you know, because you might not struggle with the same thing I'm struggling with. But see, it's important to the Lord that we do that, that we would consecrate ourselves to him. Amen. Can I use you as a... All right, my brother. I want you to stand and then just... Put your arms like that and just stand right there. All right. And then Azario, if you would just come right next to him, put your shoulder and lean into him just like that. See, when the Lord puts that in your heart of fences, you know, you got to, what you got to do is when you consecrate yourself to God, 
you got to let the Spirit of God lead you constantly in that, of praying, getting to His Word. Amen? But some of us, sometimes we don't do that. We allow things in our lives. And sometimes it's like riding that fence, that uh, guardrail, whatever you might want to call it, right? So you're guarding it, and it's like scraping all along the side there. And, you know, you're... Uh, I'm going to say as Ariel's a truck. So you're kind of like damaging the side of the truck and everything. And, you know, whatever it is you're giving, you know, avenue to, whatever you're, you're allowing inside of your walk with God. See, you're his precious people. And then you can all be, you can be seated. <laughs> Sorry about that, Mark. But you're his pe- precious people. You know, and we're entering into this new year. And this is something that we got to do in our walk with God. Consecrate ourselves, set ourselves aside to him. That he might fulfill his purpose in us. There's a great purpose in you, Gabe. A great purpose in us all. Of where God's taking and leading us. Just like he did the people of Israel. He was leading them somewhere. And sometimes we're, we become casual and, you know, we're not listening to the spirit of where it's taking and leading us. There's a lack of thereof. Of the spirit of God operating in your life. And what does that happen when you're on that guardrail and you're scraping? You're leading yourself to places where you shouldn't be. You go and place yourself in places that God doesn't want you in. Because those fences, you just play on them, you know, and that guardrail. And, you know, there's there should be rumble strips too there, you know, so you don't go that far. You know, there's got to be those things where you got to limit this flesh. Right. There's only two things, right? Flesh and spirit. If you're fulfilling the things of the flesh, you're going and you're doing the things of the flesh, you're fulfilling those things and they're not of God. But if you walk in the spirit, you'll fulfill the things of the spirit. God can lead you and guide you and speak to you in those moments and times when you're with loved ones and those that you that you want to reach and uh, the ones that the Lord is reaching through you because he wants to use each and every one of us as vessels. That's what we were called to do. Amen. That he might work his purpose in you and work through you to reach those that are lost. But if you're not led by the spirit, God can't do that. But by the sensitivity of the spirit, he'll give you the words to say, the words to speak. When you're when you're there. He'll put that in your heart so that you you can be sensitive to his words and speak those words of reaching to that person of what that person needs to hear. Amen. This is. uh Let's go to Matthew. 
I mean, sorry, St. Luke, chapter 2, verse 22. And when the days of her purification, uh, verse 22, everybody. St. Luke chapter 2, verse 22, and it says, When the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And that's beautiful, waiting all your life for God's promise, to, God's promise right, to be fulfilled. But he had that hope and he was waiting on God to fulfill that promise that he would not die until he seemed the Savior. Amen. And he, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before thy face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul as that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with the husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she is and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, Galilee to their own city. Amen. I, I like how it speaks about Anna there, about her setting herself aside, fasting and praying and waiting on the spirit of God to lead her. It's important for us. Amen. That even as we enter this new year in your walk with God, if you'll just consecrate yourself to him, God is going to lead you somewhere. Amen. He's taking you somewhere for his purpose. And uh, uh, verse 40 says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, 
filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had filled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his father said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto him, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? So they're there. And the Lord, he just, he's in the midst of these doctors. Maybe he snuck away, you know, to be there to learn from them. And we got to take this very important as an example of what he was showing us about putting in him that word and preparing himself. That's the way we got to be when we come. Amen. When we come to Bible studies, wherever it is, the Lord is taking you. You got to prepare yourself. You got to let that word get inside of you. Because greater things are going to come. I know that from my walk with God. In my younger times, I, uh, it, was, it was different. I was happy. I, man, I was just on fire for the Lord. I wanted to tell everybody. But after that, it was just like things started slowing down. And then trials began to come my way. Things begin to happen inside of me. And the Lord was taking some things out of me, and I had to wait on him. And I remember that time, you know, we were struggling in our finances, me and my wife. And it was like, where's that money going to come from? But the Lord, he makes a way. And out of nowhere, you know, a check came through the mail, and, you know, God somehow saw fit to... Get us out of those, those uh, dilemmas, those things that were taking place. Um, uh, verse 50 says, And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased, increased in wisdom and stature. And in favor with God and man. Amen. I think it's interesting too that his mom, you know, when he told her those things, she kept those things in heart. And it's significant because she went with him all the way to his death. Amen. She was there when they crucified him. And she continued in that upper room with them. In the day of Pentecost, when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. It's important for us to co continue that way. 
let the Lord pour those things of His Spirit inside of us to lead us. We don't know sometimes where He's taking us, but He knows He's got a plan that He wants to fulfill in each and every one of us. Amen. His Spirit wants to do a work in each and every one of us. He wants us to be led by His Spirit of where He wants us to go, what He wants us to do, what He wants us to say. But first, we got to consecrate ourselves. We got to build those fences. Amen. You got to build those fences. You got to know that's not where God wants me. Those aren't the places where I should go. If you're led by his spirit, you'll be sensitive to that. I'm not going to go there. Amen. Uh, let's go to Romans chapter 12. I'm reading here out of the Amplified, and I'm going to read down to verse uh, 2. And it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And not to be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs. But be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. Focusing on godly value, values and ethical attitudes so that ye may prove for yourselves what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Amen. His plan and perfect for purpose for us. See, he's progressively changing us, taking us somewhere. It's progressive change. The world, it's going to change. Everything's changing. He's taking us somewhere. He's taking you somewhere. And you got to be ready and prepared for what's going to come. There's no time to lean on that fence. There's no time for those things. I feel that urgency in my spirit. Because the things that we do, the world is watching us. We were called by him, his special people. The world watches us, the secular church, the secular world, it watches us. But what we do, I remember a times in my walk, and my failures and the things, you know, 
when people were watching. People are always watching. It's like they're waiting for you to mess up. It's that spirit that's in the world, the one that's contrary to God. And they're like, where's your God now? They'll always be quick to put you down, even those that say they're, that they're of God. Because when you're walking in the spirit, when God's spirit abiding in you and you're filled with his spirit, you're his special own people. That's why they look at us that way. I don't know how, how far we are into this sixth dispensation of, uh, of grace, but I know that it will end. And I'm further in my walk than I was when I first started. Amen. We got to know that God's doing something inside of us. Amen. That's all I have. Mother. Thank you, Brother Lewis. Can we pray for a moment and ask the Lord to mark his word in our heart? I want to be consecrated and separated unto him. Jesus, thank you for your word. I pray the presenting of our bodies according to your word, like we've heard tonight. I pray the setting apart of our lives according to your word, as we've heard tonight. I pray the putting up of fences and walls, Father, not to divide, but to set boundaries according to your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, for what you intend to do in, with, and through us in this hour. Knowing we're called of you. Knowing that you filled us with your spirit for divine purpose and calling in this hour. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen, amen, amen. I, it's a funny thing about fences. There's an old saying that says, you know, before you move a fence or take it down, you should probably find out what it was put there for in the first place. And uh, I don't remember the whole story, so I'll probably get in trouble trying to start telling part of it. But uh, there's a young man that decided he wanted to take a shortcut, and he had to jump a fence to do it. And he thought, I don't know why if they hadn't put this fence here, I could have got to school a lot quicker. And uh, he jumped the fence, and he was about halfway across that field. And all of a sudden, he realized there was a big bull in that pasture with him. And uh, he understood that fence was there for a purpose. And uh, it might have looked easier without the fence. But the Scripture talks, it uses a word we don't use anymore. If you start studying the Old Testament, it uses a word called bulwarks. It's hard to say. B-U-L-W-A-R-K talks about walls and bulwarks and these things that are built for a purpose. They serve to protect us. 
Anybody ever drive over Chinook Pass? Yeah. You know, some of those roads don't have guardrails. You notice that too, Brother Jerry? Yeah. We, our, our good friends, you met, they pre- preached here before, Brother and Sister Simpson in Baltimore. The first time they came over here, Bishop drove them over in his truck, and he brought them over Chinook. He thought, you know, it's nice, it's clear, they'll love this view. Well, Brother Simpson was in the front seat, and he was on the side of the road where there was no guardrail. And if you've ever rode with Bishop, he can talk and get to going and looking around and looking at you. And, and Brother Simpson said, man, Brother Hart, I was trying to receive things, but I was more focused on that road. I'm like, Brother, you can look where you're going and talk. I'm listening. And he was, he still to this day says, man, I'll ride with you, but not if we're going that way. You know, when there's, when there's no guardrail, hopefully you become really careful, right? And, you know, every once in a while, if I'm feeling mischievous, Brother Lewis, I'll, my family's in the car with me and they're dozing off or they're sleeping and I'm enduring the drive and I'll I'll run over on those little rumble strips just every once in a while. Not a lot, but my wife, you okay, honey? Are you awake? Yeah, babe, I think I'm all right. But, you know, no one, no one in their right mind says, you know, when I drive over a mountain pass, I like to get right over to the edge and just see if I can get right up by that guardrail and see how close I can get. Nobody does that. But if we're not careful when God, in our walk with God, we'll say, well, how much can I do and get away with and well, you know, what? what's allowable and I can still go to heaven? As though the only purpose we're filled with His Spirit is to go to heaven. We're filled with His Spirit for purpose. And I want to be set apart for His purpose. Amen? Praise God. I'm asking Brother Martin to come and leave us with whatever he has in his heart tonight. Praise the Lord, everybody. 2020, and uh, I never thought I'd live to see the day of 2020, living the life that I was living. I'm sure a lot of us may have been in in situations or circumstances. We've come from somewhere. We've come from somewhere, and and there's been times we may have reflected many, many years ago and and pondered the thought. I mean, 2020 is like it was. It wasn't even a thought, but we're here, and I've been noticing a lot of. Uh, a lot of people, I don't want to say people, but I've noticed uh, people uh, Instagramming or, or on Facebook or something, they're like showing little trash bags of 2019, like they're throwing it out. 2019 wasn't garbage to me. 2018 wasn't garbage to me. Even the times that I was struggling, it wasn't garbage to me. It may have felt like it was garbage, but God had purpose in that garbage. There was purpose in it. And uh, I'm going to read tonight just a little bit. Um, I'm going to try not to take up too much of your time, but um, I just feel like the Lord has has been speaking to me about something. And we're going to start in the book of Job, chapter 1. And um, I'll give you some time to get there. But before you get there, you know, I've been I've been uh, interacting with people, um, going different places that I didn't plan for the Lord to be working and operating at those times. And 
just being available, being a conduit, being sensitive to the word of God and what God is doing and allowing there to be divine connections where we have divine appointments with people. Um, I, 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 went through, I went through about three different scenarios lately with three different people, but it's, it's, it's tend to come back on me where people have asked me questions like, um, how did you do it? Is this real? What you're telling me, is this real? Um, so the Lord is kind of, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. The, the other night, I had a dream. I was laying. I was about ready to go to bed. And the Lord spoke to me. I said the book of Job. And the story of Job and, and the things that he had and the things that he lost and the things that, that the Lord restored back into his life. But, you know, our, our, my story, our stories are, are sometimes that way. So I want to read a little bit. In the book of Job, chapter there we go. So uh, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. And, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. So we kind of get in a little picture here of what Job had, the material things that Job had. He seemed like he was a wealthy man. Um, he had a lot of things going for him. He was one of the greatest people in all the East. He had, he had possessions. He had belongings. And, 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 and those were his, his things. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send an invite an invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro and walking back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord, and said, does Job fear God for nothing? You have not, have you not made a hedge around him? Talking about fences. You know, have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. And he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out and from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. 
when the Sabaeans raided, the, raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from the heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. You know, I can only imagine, you know, people coming and telling me, hey, man, you're losing, you're losing your sheep. Your house is on fire. And, and, and it's still, it still, it hasn't stopped. And while he was still speaking, another came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels and took away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people. And they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. You know, I, 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 I'm imagining Job and, and these messengers and these people coming to me and saying, hey, man, you just lost this. You know, your kids, your family, your daughters, your sons are dead. You've lost your house. I mean, that's, that's a lot to bear. You know, and, 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 and I'm trying to put myself in those shoes and, and, and be like Job and say what Job said. Job said, though, you know, naked into this world I came and naked I will leave. I mean, basically saying none of those things were, they were not that his family wasn't important, but the material things weren't important. But um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to uh, chapter two. We'll keep reading just a little bit more. So then I'm going I'm to go to chapter two, verse three. It says, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. And he will surely curse you to his face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a pot shirt, a pot shirt, I, I believe was a shard of a, of a clay pot. That, uh, and it says here he, he used that, that shard or that that. That, that piece of clay to scrape some of the boils that he had on his skin. I mean, were they too, was he using it to relieve pressure, to, relieve, to, to let some of that stuff out? But he took that pot shirt with, to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? And I can picture my wife or somebody that's next to me that I love who's also saying, hey, you still question your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women who speaks. 
Shall we indeed accept God, accept good from God? And shall we, ex- shall we not accept adversity? There will be adversity. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So I'm going to skip over to, we'll skip over to verse number, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. So after, after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He's saying, what was I born for? Why am I alive to suffer all of this pain, all of this stuff being removed from my life? It was better that I wasn't even born. And Job spoke and said, may the day perish on which I was born and the night in which was said a male child conceived. You know, I'm picturing this because I, I go back to a day in my life, a moment in my life growing up where I said those same words. God, why am I here? Why am I even alive? And there's times I sat there, nowhere to sleep, nowhere to go, with my head buried in my forearms, crying. Just walking the street with nowhere to go, nowhere to lay my head. I didn't care if they locked me up. At least I had somewhere to sleep. But I remember just not wishing, like, God, why am I here? Why Why was I even born? For what purpose do I serve? I'm no good to anybody. You know, and, and through all this adversity that, that we go through and all the adversity that Job was going through and he was experiencing, you know, he, he questioned God. I, I continue to read on in the book. He, he, started, he started asking those questions. He's questioning himself. And he's like, why is all this stuff happening to me? And there's people that are coming to him, and they're asking him questions. And he's talking back and forth with them. And, uh, you know, I had, I had a, an experience just recently with somebody. I think it was yesterday. And uh, we were talking, and, and, and I was sharing a little bit about the book of Job with, with her. And it was an appointment that I was at. I was there to, to have an appointment with some, uh, just some paperwork. It was just, it was an appointment. It wasn't anybody that I knew. It was just, I had to go there. I prayed before I was going there. And I said, okay, Lord, I don't know who's there. And, and I just feel like every point, everywhere we go is an opportunity. Everywhere we sit and everybody we come in contact with is an opportunity. And I want to be sensitive to that. But during this conversation with this lady, she asked me a question. She says, why do you think God allowed that to happen to Job? I sat back in my chair and I was like, whoa, man, I wasn't prepared for that question. You know, but the only scripture that could come to my mind was Isaiah 55, verse 8. And it says, uh, God's, uh, our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways. I told her, I couldn't sit here and try to explain to you or try to help you understand why God would allow all that stuff to take place. But I reflect back to my life. And some of us might reflect back to our lives and say, why did God allow all of these things to take place? You know, if God saved us from every situation and every circumstances, we wouldn't be who we are today. We would have no purpose to even have him. We would have no purpose to acknowledge him because he always protected us along the way. So during all the questioning and wondering, God, why? Why all this? Why all this is suffering? Why all these tears? Why all this pain? Why all this discomfort? Why all this loss? God had purpose in that. And I, I didn't understand that until these last four years of walking with God, living for God. 
walking with purpose. And, and, and this lady even asked me this question. She says, where do you get your confidence? I was like, whoa. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. I was never a confident man. My self-esteem was down here. I was, I was so ashamed of myself. I carried so much guilt within me. I, I mean, there was times I could not even look at, at, at a female because every time she made out contact, I, I tucked tail and I put my head down. I was scared. I, I just, I had a low, low self-esteem. I had no confidence. I was not approachable. I didn't like being approached. I wasn't lovable. And, and, and when somebody showed me affection and somebody showed me care, I shunned it. I pushed it out. I said, that's not, I don't, I don't like that. Nobody showed me that growing up. Nobody put their arm around me and said, hey, you know, I love you. I care about you. But he told me those things. So she asked me, where does your confidence come from? And I said, you know, I have went through some experiences in life. I've experienced some things, and I've had to walk through some fears. I go, but my confidence comes from the Lord. The confidence that he gives me today, the boldness to speak the things of him, the boldness to sit here today and look at you, a female, in your in your eyes and be able to communicate what God is telling me to say to you. You know, it's not, I told her it's not an accident or a coincidence that I'm here and, and we're talking about these things. We didn't even do the paperwork. It was, it was probably paperwork going to take about 15 to 20 minutes. I was there for two hours. I was there for two hours talking, walking, just blown away like, God, what's happening here? Uh, and I had another experience. I'll share it with you. It, it blew me away. I shared it with elders this uh, this uh, last few days. Um, I, uh, you know, I was I was fooling around on my phone, and I was you know trying to mess around with some some car insurance rates. And I was trying to get a better deal. You know, I was trying to save money. So, anyways, I uh, I said, you know what? I, they gave me this number, and it was great. I was like, man, it's, it sounds like I should just take this deal. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to jump in head first if I don't know all the unknowns. You know, I'm careful now about that. You know, I'm like, I'm not quick to say yes, yes, yes. And then, oh man, why did I do that? And it's, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I still do that. You know, I'm just like, man, why, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Or why, why wasn't I listening right? But anyways, this experience, I go, I'm, I said, I'm going down to my agent. I'm going to go talk to this guy. I'm going to go tell, I'm going to go, I'm going to want to know why they're going to give me this payment. It was low, but I'm paying like twice the amount. Okay, so I'm going to go ask him. So I get there, and the guy that I want to see and talk to, my boy, George, he's, he's not there. And so another guy comes out, and he says, uh, can I help you? And I say, are you an agent? He says, nope, I just help people pay their bills. I said, well, I need to do that too, but I need to speak to an agent. And so I waited, and it was the main guy, the big guy, the one that's in charge of everybody. And uh, he comes out. No, he doesn't even come out. He just sits in his chair like I'm the guy, you know, and uh, I walk in and I have a I have a Seattle Seahawks jersey on. And uh, when I walked in, the guy automatically struck some conversation with me because of what I was wearing. You know, so the conversation, we're talking about sports, we're talking about football. And then I talked about a certain player who had a drug problem. And that one player led the conversation into a different direction. And I said, hey, uh, um, I won't say his name, but I, I, he was my agent. So I said, hey, uh, can I share something with you? And he's like, he, he, he turns around in his chair and he looks at me. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, at one point in my life, I had, a, I had a drug problem. You know, I went through some things. And I said, he, I, I, said I don't know if, 
you can tell just by looking at me because sometimes I, I, I tend to do that to people. I, I, I tend to think that people can automatically have an assumption about me. And I'm careful, though, now today because he asked me this question. He says, do people judge you? And we were, we were kind of deep into the conversation, so he asked me that question. He says, Does, do people judge you? And I thought about that. I, I mean, I try not to be quick to answers, you know, anymore, and I try to listen to what people are saying. And so that kind of affected me a little bit. And I said, well, I try to be careful about that today. And he says, how so? And I said, well, I have to be careful that I'm not the judge. If I'm always walking around looking at people, thinking that they're staring at me and that they're judging me or they're looking at me a certain type of way, who's really the judge? So I, 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 I got to be careful. I told him, I said, but there have been times in, in my life that, yes, I've had experiences where I felt like I've been judged. Now, I don't know why he was asking me those questions about being judged, about drug addiction, about gangs. We're talking about prison. And uh, in the conversation, you know, he, he, he just puts his hands on his, on his head and he's like, is this real? Is what you're telling me real? You experienced all this stuff and all these things. And, and I was, I'm thinking back, like, I'm shaking my head like, wow, you know, it doesn't seem so bad anymore. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm living for God. It's not that bad. You know, God, I mean, I, and, but, you know, I'm looking at it. I'm like, here I find myself on the other end of the table now ministering to people. He tells me this in his words. He says, you're a blessing to me. I'm looking at my, I'm looking at him like, I'm a blessing to you. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you something. I said, I don't think that it was a coincidence that my boy George was not here today. I think that the Lord knew that you and I were supposed to connect today. We were supposed to meet today and we were supposed to talk. And I said, if, if you're saying that I'm being a blessing to you, I said, I don't know what the Lord's doing in your life or what he's speaking into your life. Or what he's, what you're feeling right now, but it's of him. I told, I told him this, and the guy says, you know, he says, uh, he tells me this. He says, you know, how do you, how do you feel about speaking in front of people? And like I said, I mean, my confidence used to be down here, low. I mean, I was like, me, me. Like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, but I didn't say that. But I said, look. He says, I want to connect you with some, with somebody. It's a big lawyer here in Yakima, and. And there's like, how do you feel about speaking in front of two or 300 people? And I said, well, I was careful about that. I said, you know, I'm going to tell you like this. I'm going to say, I'm going to pray about that. I said, I'm not going to say, yeah, man, you know, let's do it. Let's go for it, man. Let's set it up. That's, that's what I want. You know, let's do that. No. I said, I'm going to pray about that. He said, all I'm going to tell you, and this is what I feel to say, is you do your part. If whoever it is you're going to contact wants to contact me, if my phone rings, I'll answer it. I'll talk to him. I'll talk to the people that I'm involved with, and, and we'll pray about it, and we'll feel after it in the spirit. If it's a door that the Lord wants me to walk through, I'll walk through it. But I said, I'm just going to wait. I said, I'm just going to pray. And the guy's looking at me, and he's, you know, he, he says, is there anything that I can help you with? And I was like, whoa. What does that mean? <laughs> help me? You know, I never, I never have really, like, just strange people. I mean, I, known the, I just met the guy. We were probably in there about an hour talking. We, I mean, we, we got off the whole, I got my rate, but we got all, 
we got off we got off the topic we were off topic and he says is there anything that i can help you with and all i could feel in my heart was like what is he saying is he, is he talking materialistic is he talking money i mean what, what is he talking about i mean in my own human thinking is like i'm trying to figure it out and i said no no it's not for you to figure it out it's not for you to figure it out so this is i just felt what the lord was telling me to say so i said i'm gonna say this i said look i just met you I don't know you, but I feel like this is in my heart to say this to you. And I said, there may come a day that the Lord prompts you back to my heart. I said, I don't know if that day will ever come. But if it does and he pricks my heart and your name comes to my mind, I may be back here. But as of today, I have everything that I need. God provided things for me. You know, and, and, it, and it took me back to to. to when I had this, I was, the Lord was talking about Job, and, and, and I, you know, Job had things. I didn't have things at that time, but I have things now. And, you know, it was talking, I was talking about, about restoration. And Job was restored. At the end of the story, if you read, I, I, I think it's in the 40, 42nd chapter, he, he, the Lord doubles everything that he had. You know, he, he gave him increase, and, and, uh, you know, but Job went through some things and in and, and, and all of those, uh, all the adversity. You know, we go through adversities, all of us do. And we go, uh, we go through life. I've gone through life always kind of wondering, you know, what's next? What's going to happen next? And, and, you know, people often have input for me or advice. And they say, well, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? And, you know, they're, they're not in relationship with God, some of the people that are telling me the things that they're telling me and you know I, I I listen to people and hear what they say and but I don't I try not to let certain things get in me so so with that being said through through those experiences I, I'm going to share something else with you I'm sharing a transition in my life I just want to be honest about what 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 the Lord's doing in my life I you know you guys have known you guys have been around me for almost four years now and I worked at a job that went out of business you know, and the Lord moved me from there. You know, he removed me from there. And I, I know I, I became a little complacent when I got out. I felt, you know, I got out of prison. I hadn't worked in, I don't know, 10, 15 years. I was a criminal. I was a, I was a thief. I was a gang member. I was a drug dealer. I was, I was just doing whatever I wanted. So the Lord gave me a place to stay. And after he'd given me a place to stay, he'd given me a job. He'd given me a vehicle. He'd given me a driver's license. I, I vividly remember these things. I remember their, their reference points in my life of impacts of people coming into my life and extending a hand and wanting to reach and wanting to help. But I went to this job. This job closed. And so now I was at a point, what do I do next? Where do I go? What's next? And, uh, you know, there was opportunities for, for me to go different jobs, different places, but they were going to take me out of the house of God. They were going to take me out of here. They were going to, it was more uh, money-wise, and, and some of them even wanted me to leave the state for, for a lot of money. But, but I ended up at this job and, and that, that I was at now, and, I, and, and it was for a season. I didn't know it was for a season. I thought, yeah, I'm going to stay here for a while. You know, it sounds good. The pay's good. I'm going to get paid good, and, and I'm going to be here. <laughs> That's not, that wasn't the Lord's plan. That wasn't the Lord's plan. I started working there about nine months in. I start to feel this heaviness, this weight about me. It's, it's just on my back. It's, I got these headaches. It's, 
it's stressing me out. It's it's in my temples. It's like I'm, I'm like I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't want to come to study. Sometimes I'm I'm just it's it's beating me up. It's taking its toll on my mind and my body. And I and I'm asking the Lord. I'm like Lord, why did you take me here? Why did you take me to this place? Was it for a soul? Was it for the one soul? What next? You know and uh. You know, I was praying. I was like, Lord, I want to leave this job. It's not for me. And my phone rang. Somebody called me and said, hey, are you looking for a job? It's like, what? Lord, you know, I was driving out of the company. Phone rang. I pulled over, answered the phone, took the call. And then somebody else offered me a job. And I had conflict. I had two jobs, offers. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on here now? You know, that I had said yes to the one guy. But the, the Lord told me, no, you're not going there. You're going somewhere else. And he took me somewhere else. The job paid more money. I turned it down for less because I felt like the, the Lord was directing me somewhere else. People are telling me, bro, are, are you crazy? I mean, you're taking like a 3 $4 pay cut. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, I've been told that I was crazy in the past. I don't, I don't know if that's really all left me, but. You know, sometimes in the Lord, people well, people don't understand. It can be crazy to them, but the Lord has purpose and, and, and he has reason behind what he's doing. I feel like the Lord's taking me here for a season. I don't feel like it's per- permanent. It's going to be something that's for the rest of my life. But the Lord, in our walks with him, he continues to open doors for us, even through the adversity, because we're in 2020 now. You know, I, I seen those little posts or people throwing out trash bags and saying, okay, 2020 is going to be better. 2020 is going to be a better year. 2020 is going to be 2020. The Lord is going to be the Lord. And he already has 2020 set out for you. He already has a plan for 2020. So you can say and you can think that I'm, this is going to happen and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Nah. God can take all that away. He did it with Job and we might ask the question, why? Why, God, why, do you, why would you allow this to happen? But he has purpose in everything he does. He has purpose in everything he does. Every experience I felt, every hurt I felt, every pain I felt has given me purpose today to speak to people, to reach people, to be transparent with people, to, to do the will of God. When, he, when the opportunity's there, like when I speak, spoke with my agent, I walked out the door and I was like, sun was shining bright and the, everything was glistening and I'm like Man, this is God this is beautiful you know and it's just, it's those moments that you you cherish and you're like God you are alive God you are real and when he manifests himself to you oh my gosh it's such a it's such an overwhelming feeling of joy and peace and, and I'm going to share a little bit more I'm going to go a little a little bit more you know the Lord I put an inspiration within me to take myself back to school. I didn't know. I mean, and I say back to school. I dropped out of school in the eighth grade. You know, and most of my education come, came through incarceration. Um, I read books. Uh, I got a GED in Walla Walla in 1998. And so I went down to the school, and, 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 and I was sitting there for an hour. I'm, like, talking to myself. I'm, like, should I leave? I mean, should I? Who waits an hour to speak with somebody? Right? Who waits an hour? And I was like, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait. And so, but in that hour, I'm talking to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, 
I mean, you inspired me to come here with something that I felt that needed to be done. So just wait, just wait, be patient. So I waited. And so I said, you know, I don't even know what to say when I get up there. I don't, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I haven't, I've never spent, I've never been to college. But I, I was like, what do I say? So I'm just going to be honest. I walk up there and I said, hey, I, sh- I introduced myself. He introduced himself to me. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I said, I need some help. I need direction and I need to be put on a bright path to where I, where I need to go. Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to get somewhere. And, and in life, we got to sometimes learn how to ask people for help. You know, we may be struggling in our families. We may be struggling in our relationships. We, we got to sometimes reach out and ask a man of God for help. A brother, hey, I, I'm struggling. There's some things I need to get off my chest. But we can't just keep all that stuff in because it becomes a weight. It becomes a weight. It becomes a heaviness about us that we carry around every single day thinking that we can figure it out got this. I can figure this out. I go to church. I pray. I talk to God. But it got to come out. We got to confess our sins one to another. We got we to gotta, we gotta express some of the things that we go through in life. I'm learning all this. I, was, I didn't grow up in the house of God. This lady asked me, she said, where did you learn all this stuff? I said, where I go to church? I'm like, I believe that the word of God is truth. I believe that his words are food for my spirit and my soul. And and it feeds me and it lives in me. And it allows me to speak and share and tell and talk about the goodness of God. It's real. And I, I told her, I said, you're welcome to come. And I think I had a life church card, give a life church card. And I, the anger management card, I give an anger management card. And that led to another conversation. We're talking about different things with anger management. But I'm going to tell you, you know, through all the adversity, through all the, the, the things that I'd suffered growing up, I remember as crying out to God in prison this one time. I'm going to share it with you. Um, I was sitting in there. I think I was sitting on my desk, and I was looking out my window. I was doing a year in solitary confinement. You know, you get, 24, you get 23 hours in the cell. You get one hour out. You get three showers a week. And it's, it's for, did that for a year. And so, uh, you know, there was a time that I was sitting in there. And I was talking to God, man. I, I just, I don't know. I was having a conversation with him. And I said, God, will I ever have a home? God, will I ever have a car? Will I ever? And, and you can fill in the blanks. Because we've probably been there and had all the will I ever's. Or when wills. And I was at my house the other day, probably a couple weekends ago, sitting at the kitchen table with the window open. And the Lord began to speak to me. And he began to remind me of what he's restoring back to my life. He said, did I not, did you, and I remember the day when I cried out, will I have a home? He reminded me of, I gave you that. Do you, will I ever have a car? I've given you that. I mean, the Lord has continued to answer and seek, but it's, it, it takes time. It takes time through all the adversity and all the restoring. It, it takes time to walk in faithfulness, to walk in his truth, to be uh, submitted, to be obedient. Because I didn't know obedience. 
I didn't know submission. I didn't know what those things were. But I came to a point in my life where I said, you know what, it's time. It's time to surrender. And a surrender in And, you know, through just, just like just reading these books, you know, I felt like the Lord had put this in my heart to want to share with you guys tonight. You know, the, his goodness, his love, his grace, it, it, it's so beautiful. And we are instruments, his instruments to use. We are, we are the body of Christ. Our, our hands are an extension of him to reach to people, to lay hands on people, to pray for people. The feet is the body of Christ so that we can be directed and walk in his path and be directed to where he directs us to go. We are an extension of him. Our mouth is to speak of his words, to say what he wants to say and speak to what he wants to speak to people. I didn't know all these things. I've learned these things. But the more I learn and the more I grow, the more sensitive I become to the spirit of God. I come in here and, and, and I begin to pray and I feel the spirit of God just enveloping my body. And I begin to weep and cry and it gives me the chills. He's real. He's real. And I'm thankful for that. I am so thankful for that. I just felt like the Lord had put that on my heart tonight. I wanted to share with that with you guys. God bless you. That's what I have tonight, Elder. We stand together tonight. And could we reach out to the Lord right now? He's talking to our hearts. Jesus, we worship and magnify you. We thank you for the work you're doing and the privilege of hearing. You've quickened our faith tonight, Lord. You have spoken to us, Lord. You have ministered to us of your goodness, of your grace, of your use of vessels for your glory to reach into our communities, into our city, into these places where you lead us. Day by day, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, we worship you. We receive of your ministry tonight, Father. We receive of the ministry of your Spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm aware of the time, but I want to open this altar and invite you to come. If you hunger for these things that you've heard, if you're saying, God, I want this in my life. I want to walk according to what I've heard. I want to set myself apart unto you so you can use me. These, these things, maybe I've experienced them along the way, but I want to experience them in my daily living, Lord. These open doors with individuals, these opportunities where I'm your hands, your feet, your voice, Lord. I don't want it to be once every six or seven months, but I believe it's your desire and design for my life every day that I live. I hunger for this, Lord. Would you respond to him tonight before you go? Come on, it's still quite early. Jesus, we yield ourselves to you. We set ourselves apart unto you, Father. Jesus, for what you're wanting to do, we hear the beckoning of your voice. We hear the beckoning of your voice, the testimony of how you work and what you will do in us and with us. You are no respecter of persons, but as we set ourselves apart unto you, you can do great and mighty things through each one of us, Lord. We yield ourselves. 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, your boldness in our lips of clay. Your boldness, I pray. Your ministry, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Father, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, these testimonies we've heard tonight, these are not exclusive to Brother Martin. These are things God will do in and with each and every one of us on a daily basis if we'll let our eyes be fixed on Him, if we'll separate our lives apart unto Him. Jesus, Your work, Your will, Your ministry. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, I pray a sensitivity of the Holy Ghost. An anointing, I pray, a miracle of our minds and our eyes and our ears, our emotions and our heart. Let the mind of Christ be in us. Let us see the kingdom. Let our ear be sensitive to your voice. Our heart obedient to that which you speak. Our emotions not tossed about, but given to your instruction and leading. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. We, um, you know, one of the uh, big challenges I have is being. heard the word transparent a couple of times here tonight. I, I, uh, one of the challenges I have oftentimes um, in my responsibility 
given of the Lord here is I'm aware of what time it is. And um, brace yourself, you may not like this next comment. When the Lord is done, I'm ready to be done. You understand? I'm not interested in having four-hour-long services just to say we had a four-hour-long service. The scripture teaches us to quench not the spirit. I'll, I'll never forget Brother Haney preaching one time. Elder Brother Haney, he's gone on to be with the Lord. Some of you know that name. His son now pastors the church in Stockton there. But Brother Haney used to be the general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church as well. And I've had the privilege of spending one-on-one -on -one time with him a few different times by God's grace. And But I remember him preaching one time and he... Man, there was such a flow of the Spirit, but he was probably close to hour number two at this point. Man, there was a flow of the Spirit. And I, you know, when the Lord starts ministering for the hungry heart, time doesn't matter. I'll never forget. He said, Sir, I see you looking at your watch. Now, I'm not saying that because I saw anybody looking at their watch tonight. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to faithful people that have a hunger for God. We're all human. And so we can feel the pull of the clock. And we all... Think we, we all have jobs we have to get up and go to the next day. I understand that. Our, our kids don't have to go to school tomorrow. That's nice. They're out of school. But hear me. I, I know I'm no different than you. Can I tell you what I've learned in my 50 years almost of living for God? And I've been in a few church services in 50 years. I've learned that if I'll yield and I'll not worry about the time, if I'm fellowshipping the Spirit of the Lord, He can do more for my body and my mind in six hours of sleep than if I were able to get home and get eight or nine hours of sleep. I remember as a, you, you may have heard this, and I, I remember as a child, we would have revivals all week long. You guys have those, Joel? You know? I mean, every night. Every night. We would have church on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And then Monday night. And service would start at 7. And they would go sometimes till 11 or 12 at night. Because the power of God would move. And people would be praying in the all. And, and it's 10.30 at night. And then we'd get up. My parents, I guess they'd go to work. I'd go to school. Come home, I'd rush to get my homework done before we'd eat dinner. And we were back at church. And we would do it all week long. Two on Sunday. And we'd have revivals that would run three, four, five, and six weeks. You guys are looking at me like, oh my goodness, what is he telling us? 
not telling you I foresee some six-week revival. But I'm a, I would ask if the Lord brought that, could he involve us? Or does the clock in my schedule mean so much to me? I told you I'm being transparent. If you feel like you're getting beat up, that's not the purpose. Forgive me for that. I'm not trying to come across. I just want us to, maybe I'm just dealing with what I'm feeling tonight because I feel the time pressure. We just have to know God is our strength. And he's wanting to put in us. And these, these stories that Brother Martin shared, these testimonies of what God's doing, he didn't share any of it in a spirit of boasting. He was bringing glory to God and just being real about how God has used him in the last seven to eight days. Is the Lord a respecter of persons? So are these things meant to happen to every one of us? Let me say that different. Are these things meant to happen with you? Yes. With you. With me. Why are they? This is God's plan for us. And so if we will set ourselves apart... Are we just not going to the right appointments? Or are we just so caught up in our day that I'm missing it, even though it's there? And so I, I feel the drawing of the Spirit so strongly tonight. It's why I couldn't just say, let's thank God and leave. I feel the drawing of the Spirit so strongly tonight in these elements that these men have shared of separating ourselves unto God and letting Him divinely direct our days. I, I was telling my kids on the way here tonight, I said, you know, the Lord's going to do these things. My son's changing jobs. God is done. I said, this is not about the job. It's about where God's putting you. He'll use it to provide for you. But this is about where He needs you to be right now. We can't make these things happen. We don't have to find them. We don't have to go through our day going, Ooh, God, lead me hold. We've got to have a boldness to open our mouth. When someone asks a question, we don't have to go, Okay, let me find a nice way. We just need to speak with boldness what we know. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Well, I don't know what they'll think. I don't either. That's not my responsibility. That's theirs. I just have to speak. Well, they might think that's crazy. They might. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to let you go. I had a man walk in my office one time. He needed a loan. This was in Tacoma. He sits down. He tells me his desperate situation. He was very careful. It was difficult for him to tell me uh, just the pride of a man. And, uh, man, I just I know if I can just get this 
you know, it, it was a few thousand dollars. It wasn't a large loan. If I can, you know, seven, eight, nine thousand dollar loan, if I can do that it, for a year. To, and he's telling me this stuff, and I'm feeling this anxiety to this guy. And I'm, you know, you can't just turn off the Holy Ghost. Well, I, I mean, I guess you could, but I don't recommend that because then you don't, because you'll find out you can't just turn it on. And so I'm there and I'm feeling these things. And so he's talking and I'm listening, but I'm, I'm trying to listen to him, but I'm trying to listen to God. I'm like, okay, God, I'm, I'm hearing some things here in my spirit. What am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed? I'm having this conversation with God in my spirit while he's talking. I'm listening. I'm nodding. I'm smiling. I'm taking notes. I said, um, I knew he had some faith, <laughs> some type of some faith. <laughs> I said, can I say something to you? And I'm having one of these moments inside, right? Like, man, I don't know if I'm about to say this or not. Am I really getting ready to say this? You ever had one of those moments? I'm as human as you are. I, I say this because I think sometimes you might think I share some of these stories and I don't feel the same emotions you feel about getting ready to open your mouth and say... We're human. We have to press beyond our humanity. And so I'm feeling a little anxiety about, like, I'm the bank manager. I don't know. Can I really say this? What will happen? I'm human like you. But I have a responsibility to him like you do. And so he said, yeah, sure. I thought, man, you don't know what you're asking for. I called his name. I said, I, we could look at this loan. I think what you really need to do is you need to trust God. Do you trust God? That's what I asked him. Yeah. I said, the whole time you're talking, I'm hearing you talk, and I believe God wants to do something in your situation. And what I hear you doing is grasping for some way to fix the circumstance God has you in. But if you'll wait and you're thinking, I, I know, I can't believe I'm saying this either. If he ever called my boss and told him, I'm sure I would have got fired. I, it's, I, I, it, was the, it was what the Lord gave me to say. I had, a, I had to do it. It's a grown man, probably 10 years older than I was at the time. Yeah, yeah. The man breaks down crying at my desk. He says, you know, you're right. Let's wait. We never did a loan for him. We have to have the boldness of God. We are. I, I read this verse tonight sitting downstairs at my home and praying, waiting on the Lord. You've read this before. You ever read Galatians 5, where the fruits of the Spirit are? Galatians 5, 25, after the fruits of the Spirit, anybody know what that says? It says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Isn't that strange? You mean there's a difference between living in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit? Apparently so. 
Apparently, it's possible to live in the Spirit, but not walk in the Spirit. We must move from being content to live in the Spirit and only be satisfied to walk in the Spirit. The translation literally means if we want to be people whose lives is filled with the Spirit, then we should also be people who want the Spirit to control the direction of our life. And that's what Brother Martin was talking about tonight. Letting the Spirit control the direction of our life. The Spirit of God wouldn't let him get up from that appointment waiting an hour. Praise God. Lord, we thank you for your word, your ministry. And your plan to use every single one of us in this room. I pray as we leave this place tonight that we leave in the power of your spirit. And the boldness of speech given of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus name we thank you and we praise you. And everybody said amen. You're dismissed. And if you go straight home.